this episode of The Bourbon Hunters, Dude and Tyler join Michael Myers from 291 Distilling over Zoom to taste through some of their bourbon offerings. Tune in to hear our thoughts. But before we get started, let me tell you a little bit about our partnership with Greenline Goods. This four-year-old company is based in Chicago and creates etched and printed glassware, including whiskey glasses, wine glasses, tumblers, mugs, shot glasses, and they are also launching a line of hand-blown crystal drinkware. Check them out with the link in our Instagram bio and save 15% off using the discount code BOURBONHUNTERS. You can also check them out at greenlinegoods.com. Thank you for taking time out of your day to join us on our hunt for great bourbon. Reward yourself and sit back, grab a pour, kick up your feet, and enjoy. special guest we've got michael myers from uh, 291 a distillery out of uh, colorado uh i'll go ahead and let you introduce yourself uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh you know how you got to uh, the distillery great yeah um thank you very much uh, i'm michael myers um uh founder our founding distiller and ceo of distillery 291 291 colorado whiskey um so i was a fashion beauty photographer in new york and uh 2001, 9-11, um, I was on Greenwich and Duane when the first plane hit. And um, long story short, I uh, couldn't get back into the apartment for a while. And um, my wife at the time wanted to move to Colorado where her parents were, at least put the boys in school. Um, I, I have two boys. They were four and five on that day. And um, so came to Colorado and started commuting back to New York for photography and um Got to a point um, where I was trying to figure out something else to do because the commuting was just really rough. And um, so in August 2010, I was shooting Vanity Fair and um, flying back uh, from New York and um, uh, read an article about the guy that created Hendrix Gin and Sailor Jerry and thought I could um, brand a whiskey. And then someone kind of that I was talking to about it said, why don't you try and make it? And um, I'm from Georgia, born and raised, and uh, they make it in the woods, so how hard could it be, was my <laughs> thought. <laughs> and um, I went to buy a still from um, Vendome, and Vendome had a 50-gallon still. Um, I had never brewed beer or distilled, so I really didn't even know how big a 50-gallon still was or how, you know. Um, and so... I, um, and they wanted 50 grand for it. And I'm like, well, I've never brewed beer or distilled. I can't afford something like that. Um, so I decided that I could build my own still and I, um, needed copper for that. And I had had a show in Tribeca, um, where I had these photogravures. So a photogravure is a more or less an inked photograph. So you have to take a copper plate, chemically etch an image into it, put ink on the plate, put a piece of paper with it, run it through a press and you get an inked photograph. So I took these seven plates and designed my still and then had them water jet cut the pattern on it and um, took them to this place where I metal rolled it, you know, put it through a roller to curve the metal uh, with a guy. And then another guy um, TIG welded it together for me. And I built a 45 gallon still 
um, built a thump keg out of a barrel, a five gallon barrel originally had a manifold on top, um, that worked really well. And, um, I was in 300 square feet. I could make 60 gallons a month. And, um, yeah, funny story about that is I, um, had a steam, I needed a steam generator. So I bought a home steam unit for like a steam shower that does four, 400 square feet an hour or something like that of steam. And I'm like, sounds about right. You know, and it was $1,400. I'm like, that's about the money I had to spend on it. And Hooked it all up. It's electric and has a button hooked it up to the still. I had a steam coil in the still and, um, pushed the button the first time and steam came on and had a steam trap, which traps the steam until it condenses. And, um, so the, the hot water was condensing or the steam was condensing. The hot water was coming out of the trap and I'm like, it seems like it's working. And about an hour later, it clicked off and I um, was like, that's weird. Went over there. Everything was warm, working really well. Pushed the button. It came back on <clears throat> about another hour later. It uh, clicked off again. And I'm like, damn, it's an automatic off um, because it's a home unit. Yeah. And so for two and a half years, uh, 15 hour runs, six hour cooks. I reset that button every 45 minutes. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. Oh, that is funny. So, uh, so that's your that's your first, you know, uh, still. That now I'm assuming at some point you, uh, you know, uh, upgraded a little bit from there, or uh, you still making sixty uh, gallons? What did you say a month? Is that what it was? Sixty gallons uh, a, month? a month? Oh wow! Yeah, that's crazy. Um, I'm making uh, six hundred gallons a week now. Okay. Um, I have a three hundred gallon still um, that was built here in Colorado Springs. Um, some DOD contractors. Uh, more or less a DOD machine shop, um, liked whiskey, met them. And they're like, you know, we could build you still. And I gave them the plans of the original one and they just enlarged it to 300 gallons. And, um, it's pretty identical. Um, it works really beautifully. And I took the original still and that is the thump keg to that 300 gallon still now. So all my whiskey goes across the original still, um, every day. So kind of crazy. That's cool. That's cool um, I also had a 55 gallon stainless steel drum that I converted into a stripping still, put a copper column on it. And, um, and so, um, when I, I've built more stripping stills and so I mimicked that and that's what you see behind me. I know um, your podcast people can't see it. No, we can, we, I can do some screenshots later and post it to the Instagram, but that's uh yeah, that's but, pretty cool. Yeah. That's a, uh, 1500 gallon stripping still. There are two of them there. Um, the only Vendome equipment I have are the co- condensers for those, um, two stills right there. So still today you, you've, what, so are the stills that you've created then, um, what you're using? Yeah. That's pretty so awesome. I've, yeah. Designed and had, all, almost all my equipment built. That's awesome. Are the designs similar to, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, uh, another distiller's uh, still? Or did you, you know, tweak it? Or just come know? up with the design yeah. all by yourself? Um, so I... I Trade I, secrets I, here. I pretty much came up with it all by myself. Um, you know, I did look at some pictures and stuff of different stills and stuff. Um 
the stripping still just kind of um, was created. I needed a large tank, right? And so a 55-gallon stainless. And I had um, I had already used a stainless, a 26-gallon um, stainless that I used for a little bit early on. And um, I thought I was going to go to copper for my stripping still. And I had read some stuff in uh, Scotch Research where they did um, distillation on all stainless and then variations of copper added to the stainless and then pure copper. And what, what I read that I remember and the reason I liked it was there was a stainless created a meatiness, a kind of a meat note to the whiskey and, you know, making Colorado whiskey, I really wanted that, that note. And so when I did the all copper run compared to the, um, stainless strip, um, I lost a note that I really liked, and so I went back to the stainless strip. Interesting. Nice. So let's go ahead and jump into this. Uh, we've got a small batch uh, bourbon in front of us. So, so is that your flagship? Um, no, my flagship's the rye. Okay. Um, but we'll get there because that's a little higher proof. Um, 291 Colorado uh, bourbon whiskey um, was my very first recipe, literally my very first experiment. Okay. Um, Mike Bristol, Bristol Brewing Company here in Colorado Springs was a friend, gave me um, a bag, a 50-pound bag of corn, and I went to mash in on a weekend, went down to the home brew shop, and they had, I knew I needed rye, or I knew I wanted rye, and I knew I needed malt, and they had rye malt, and I'm like, all right, let's use that, and so my first recipe was 80% corn, 20% rye malt, and um, quickly run two or three, I changed it to um, 80% corn, 19% malt, malt rye, and 1% malt barley. Okay. Do you still have, um, you know, some of the original whiskey either aging or, you know, a bottle of it? I don't have it aging, but I do have, um, I do have, um, actually on my desk, I have a bottle, but um, I have an archive of almost every barrel um I've ever made. That's that's, cool. that's pretty sweet. Yeah, that's really. And cool. how how old's the oldest one at this point? Um, ten going going on 12? 11 years. Eleven okay. years. You said two thousand ten. Is that when you started? Uh, or at least uh, when you... September September eleventh, twenty eleven. I mean, yeah, September eleventh, twenty eleven was my very first finish run. Now was that um, planned? I had because done that's... a couple of strips, but. So was September 11th planned because of uh, that the change in your career kind of started about then or um, originally no originally I took all the metal to the welder somewhere in June or July and um, he was like come back you know next week and I'll I'll have started it or something and I went back and then it got to where I was going daily and um, he was just kept pushing it off and. Finally, I go, Al, you're costing me money. He goes, all right, come Monday, we'll, we'll sit down and start welding it. And I'm like, okay. And so I did, and it was somewhere in the 1st of uh, September. And so when it was finished, it was like the 5th or the 7th. And I kind of was like, you know, I, I just might as well wait. Um, A little serendipitous <clears throat> And re- remake that anniversary. Yeah, nice. So, that's that's kind of neat. Um so, all right, let's let's go ahead and nose this. What do you? Th- cheers. What do you uh, yeah, yeah. Cheers to you as well. 
I've been nosing it, but I wanted to take a drink. Definitely, um, oh, that's interesting. I like, that's, um, that's unique. So you say this is, is this also 80%, um, the corn and then the 19% of the, uh, malted rye, rye, is that right? Yes. And that then is 1% and malted then barley? One, yep. So I definitely am getting the corn for sure. Um, but there's, I don't know if it's that malted rye. It's a nice balance. But it's <clears> a, <throat> it's a neat flavor for sure that it's, um. Uh, I think a meatiness is kind of a good description for that. I kind of like <laughs> that. And I would have never come up with that myself, but I like that. It's definitely got, um, so like in the nose, for me, it's almost an overwhelming corn, which which made me think it was going to taste young. But then when I drank it, it did not taste young at all. It had a, almost <clears throat> like a texture to it. Um, to be honest, I made the mistake of just drinking right away. Um, so here's I wish my I surprise could. face. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, this is, um, it's got a little bit of a funk to it that I like. Like, um, it almost has like a, like an old, um, what do you call it? Like a dusty kind of, uh, taste to it. It's got that meatiness that you were talking about. I like that. I would have never, I like that phrase. That's, I would have never used that. Um, but all in all, like you said, it's balanced. I like the flavors. Yep. It's got a spice to it on the end. Um, proofed really nice too. Yeah, this is good. It's, it's. I, I dare say smooth, uh, but it's, uh, but it is, it's, it's a good front to front to back. Um, that, that's a great point too. Like you get something right away and you get it through the finish. Yeah, no, I like this. <coughs> this is nice. And so unfortunately Thank we're you. in Ohio. We, we don't get 291. You actually got on our radar. I follow Jessica who I think has a pretty close relationship with you guys, bourbon insider on Instagram. Yep. And, um, so I follow her and that's where I started seeing you guys. And then, um, I think it was Madeline just reached out about, you know, 291. I was like, you know what? That would actually be uh, great. Even though we can't get it here, it would be a nice, you know, addition to the podcast just to, to have you guys on. Um, plus, give us a chance to taste it. So this is, uh, yeah, this is really nice. I like this. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I, I set out to, you know, make a Western whiskey, a, a big, bold, beautiful whiskey like the state of Colorado. <laughs> Another thing is rugged refined rebellious which is more like me being the fashion photographer growing up in georgia on a farm my daily driver's a 84 dodge truck um, love that <laughs> and yeah black truck and um i actually own three and a half of them at the moment um <laughs> but um and and i i really think that's what I did. You know, um, the rye that we'll move to in a minute, um, is really my flagship. It's what I really set out to make. Um, the bourbon just was what I could do before, you know, um, like immediately as an experiment. And like I said, that was my first recipe and the rye is my second recipe, um, literally. And, um, they just came off still amazing. And, um, the white dog and the, uh, so we sell the bourbon as 291 fresh unaged whiskey and we sell the, uh, white dog of the rye, um, 291 Colorado whiskey, rye, white dog or rye whiskey, white dog. Um, and we sell a ton of that whiskey here and in, in for cocktails in Colorado. And it's just now starting to get into other States, which is fun. So um, for cocktails. So the unaged you're selling, you say, like that for cocktails? Yep. Oh, wow. So let me ask you this. So it sounds like outside of that very first run where you had 20% of the malted rye, 
this is pretty much your original recipe, right? So I mean, minus minus that first, uh, you know, that the the derivation to the to the one percent malt of barley. So, with your history in photography, and uh, you know, I know you Georgia, so maybe there's some connection there to some, uh, you know, backwoods like distilling or something like that. But like, how long did it take you to actually get this down? And and did you need assistance? Did you did you get a lot of help? Did you just do all this on your own until you got it right? I mean, tell us about that a little bit. So I literally, uh, I literally uh, taught myself YouTube, um, read books, um, did a lot of research, uh, documentary, the Popcorn Sutton documentary. Yeah, yeah. Um, I learned a little bit from him. Um, there's a point in the documentary where he's running still and he reaches down, picks up this little twig and he breaks it and sticks it in the end of the worm. And he goes, if the whiskey's coming out faster or thicker, then the stick it's fighting whiskey. And that just taught me <clears throat> to really slow down yeah. to slow my run down and stuff like that. Or, and, um, but literally I, I, I can show you in my notes, um, the, you know, there was no experiment. Um, I literally put the 50 pound bag of corn in there, 20 pounds of malt rye mashed in, stripped it, ran it, um, finished and um, that was the first recipe that came off the still. Um, so how did you and, know, like, like, you know, when you're when you're doing the stripping uh, run and all that stuff, like the hearts and the, you know, the heads and the tails and all that, like, how did you know, without any experience, how did you know when to, you know, start uh, discarding and, and keeping and all that stuff? Like, wh- you know, where, how did that happen? <laughs> right? Um, so... The, the heads um, is kind of a percentage cut, and I, I had read about that, so okay. I figured out, you know, what the percentage, but also the taste. So the heads cut was pretty easy, and, and like I said, a 15-hour run, I'm running that still pretty slow, so it took a while for the heads to come off, you know, uh, 45 gallons. Um, and, and then um, a 45 gallons of low wine. And then the hearts start coming out, right? And so I just sat there, you know, all day with them, tasting them and seeing what was happening. And and it, it, it's a fast trickle, but it's a trickle, right? And, yeah. and so it takes a while. And I'm going to probably collect off that 45 gallons I collected, somewhere around 15 gallons finished. Um, and so at the end, what I realized was like, okay, how am I – how am I going to know when to cut and was really nervous about it. And, um, I, um, decided to get Mason jars and, um, started, you know, when, when it got tasting different, when it, you know, started tasting different, a little bit of my Southern came out of me. Um, <laughs> my wife's from a, a neighboring town that's similar to that, and it's, it's called Newark, Ohio, and, and I w- she would have said the same thing. My, my Newarkian came out. <laughs> so, um, but I uh, started collecting in mason jars, and I realized that the proof was dropping um, every few minutes or so by 10, 10 proof. And so I just started collecting every, you know, when it dropped down 10, I'd collect. And I got to a point where it was tasting like crap. And I had probably seven jars full 
right of of the final tail cut and um of of the you know the uh stair step of the tail cut and so i just started tasting them and going oh that one that one doesn't taste bad that go can go in there they're good flavors and i got to like the end of two of them and it was like okay you know this was this proof and this one's this proof and um i tasted it and i was like yeah i could use a little bit of that dirty you know there's a little dirt in there and yeah, yeah. little funk and i'm like i like that that you know there's a few ounces of it here and it's going to go into 15 gallons so it's going to get diluted right. so we're not going to really fuck it up and <laughs> then i'd taste <laughs> taste one and be like mm, that's a little too funky and you know that's not going to go in there and so that's how i came up with my tail cut cool that's yeah. awesome because well, <clears throat> i think we both watch what's the show the distiller uh the moonshiners or whatever um, so, uh, so the pop, they always use the popcorn Sutton, you know, cuts in that show. And, uh, so I've never seen the actual popcorn Sutton, uh, documentary, but I, I do want to see that because the further and further I get into this rabbit hole, I want to see the, you know, those, those distillers and the moonshiners and things like that, that, that really interests me. Um, but that's, I, I always wondered how. You know, if if you're just jumping into this, and like I said, you know, this isn't like it's a family thing. You know, everyone has some family story or lineage or something like that. It seems like nowadays. So this is kind of a a, a fresh, you know, new, different take on a a person who. And I like your your background on this. This is really cool. Like the nine yeah. eleven, everyone, everyone can relate to that. And I think yeah. a lot of people. You know, one of my buddies. I, I own a CrossFit gym. One of my buddies at the CrossFit gym. You know, he was uh, just removed from one of the two towers. Uh, he was a financial person. And um, and then when that happened, he basically changed his whole life and and wanted to start helping people. You know, it's yeah. a little it's not an alcohol branch, but like, a you know, sure. it, it was a it was a complete change. And it was because of 9-11. And I wouldn't say that it necessarily directly uh, got you to here, but it, it seemed to start you know, that, uh, possible, uh, journey for you, it sounds like. So that's kind of interesting. Um, and I think everyone can kind of relate to that. Yeah. If, if you're old enough and you, you remember where you were, everything that happened immediately after for the next, you know, probably six months. I mean, so that, that was a huge point for a lot of people. Um, yeah, that's, that's really cool. That's, that's awesome that you're self-taught. Um, I really, yeah, really so like that. That's a, that's a great story. Where did you, uh, did you also get your yeast strain from the uh, local brewery? I did. They, okay. I started cropping wet yeast from them. Um, now we we use so much yeast that we start dry. Yeah. But um, I cropped I cropped a lot of yeast off them for a long for quite a few years. Wow. And um, it just a lot of lightning strikes, right? Um, <laughs> a lot of things came together. I mean, I I you know I love the dark room and I love to cook and I really think those two things came together as my home brewing process. Right. So Mike Bristol allowed me to watch his brewer, um, work with him for two days. Um, and like I said, I'd never brewed. So there were some temperatures that I started with that later I read in the book that I could go a little lower on them. Don't really have to be that high and things like that. But, but everything I, you know, I, a friend gave me this book that I read and after I had been doing it for, six months or eight months and I was doing everything pretty spot on. Um, there were just a couple of temperatures that were different and stuff like that. 
But what's interesting, um, and, and I've not said this at all, um, my team knows it, but because it, it's not totally, um, what's the word, certified, I guess, or, or totally researched yet. But my cousin um, has been doing our ancestry on my mom's side. And a couple of months ago, he sent me a, a text and he's like, we're um, first cousins nine times removed from George Washington. So uh-huh. um, maybe, maybe I got a little uh, distilling from, from, that, yeah. from that lineage, but I don't know. Um, I, I've asked my mom and stuff about my grandparents and stuff like that. And uh, my grandfather made some scuffing on wine and stuff like that. Um, and, and was a butcher and uh-huh. aged meat and stuff like that. But nobody close at hand was a distiller that we know of. So And at, at that time, I think a lot of, uh, you know, people were doing it more off of like an apple cider. Um, well, I, I, George Washington is, I think at the time was one of the larger distillers, right? I mean, he, it, yep. as, as people know now, but, but he had the apple, apple orchard, didn't he? He, he cut down the apple tree. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> um, he, uh, he he actually made rye whiskey. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, right, and he, he yeah. supplied a lot of uh, that to uh, some of the soldiers and things as well. What, yeah, so, he, I think he produced um, ten thousand gallons a year. Yeah, he was. A, he I think, if not the, I, I don't remember specifically. He was one of the larger. I'm an idiot. The cap's still on that lens. That's why it wasn't working. <laughs> Uh, that's what happens when you rush. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah. So so he was uh, one of the larger distillers at the time. Um, so let's let's talk about. So you, were we moving to the rye next? I've got the HR uh, yep. number twenty five. Is that what you wanted to do next? So no, we're going to do the two ninety one small batch rye. Do you have that? Um, I don't think we have the small batch rye. All the rest of them are no. barrel proof. So we have yeah, HR. Emily. Emily's yeah. giving me the cutthroat. Nope. <laughs> no, no small batch rye. Okay. Yeah. So we have so, HR number 25. I'm assuming that's what high rye. Is that what that is? Or what it's is? a high rye. Yep. So it's a bourbon that's high rye. So I think all of ours must be bourbons unless the Eves is a, a bourbon as well. It, they are all bourbons. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. we're all right. doing bourbon. Bourbon, yeah. bourbon Emily's, hunters. So Emily's yeah, not, we, we drink rye too, but that's all right. That's fine. That's perfectly fine with me. Yeah. Um, so the HR is a funny one. Um, hmm, I can't pour this rye out. Emily, will you get me another glass, yeah. please? <laughs> can't pour that out. <laughs> no matter how much you have behind you, you can't pour it out. <laughs> so go. do you guys do, um, do you have open fermenters or are they closed? We, we do. Okay. Um, Yep, they are open fermenters. One of them's right behind me. Nice, that's um, what it looked like. Yeah, and we have six of them um, right now. Uh, hopefully, in the next few months, we'll get a f- six to twelve more. So oh, one wow. of the, you know, I was just, uh, I'm diving into the book um, Proof, and uh, one of the things that I've been reading about is is yeast uh, and its process and the whole distillation process. Um, and you know, that's a, a new, you know, education thing for me. Um, You're on page five. so yeah, yeah, I'm on page five. <laughs> um, but it's, it's kind of cool. And I, you know, I don't know if it 
changes anything you guys do. I, I would, but you know, having an open uh, fermenter like that, I don't know if uh, you know you, you catch anything in the air that that over time it changes, or if it um, you know, you get that uh, mutation over time, um, or so, if you're using the same strain from dry every single time, that it's it's really not going to affect it. Right. So open fermentation is great, um, but with distillation, um, just one. Thanks. You can leave one. Thank you. Um, so just with distillation, you, you ferment so fast, um, that it's really hard for something to take over. But in my experiment, in my experience and over time, having some mashes, having to sit, you know, or fermentations, um, sit for a while because maybe my equipment's broken or something like that. This was early on. And the longer it sits, the more it, um, it kind of sours. Um, and when it's more sour, it's sweeter, um, when it comes off the still. So it's kind of funny, but you, you know, I forget what we were doing. I guess we were moving here and we had mashed in and other things weren't hooked up yet. Um, we moved to a new space last January and, um, for some reason the, the fermentation sat for like three weeks and, um, the whiskey coming off those stills were amazing, amazingly sweet. Um, and, and it's great, but you know, as, as production goes, you can't, sit for three weeks on you know fermentation um, yep it just i mean you can but it gets expensive and things like that so um we do experiment that way and different ways um, <clears throat> depending know. on how but, large the uh the batch was might be a nice uh experimental line you know a one-off yeah we have a 291e which is the marion eves is an e label um, and that's our experimental batch, our experimental label. So every, every batch and, and the one we're going to taste, I already gave it away, right? Um, the one <laughs> we're going to taste in a little bit, um, is batch nine. Um, and all those batches have been amazingly different and, and actually well, uh, awarded as well. So. So which so if we have the HR25, the barrel-proof bourbon, which I'm assuming is just the barrel-proof of the small batch, and then the E9, yep. the Eves that you just talked about, uh, which one should we do next? Um, so if you have barrel-proof bourbon, I didn't know that, um, or I wasn't listening. No, but, it's okay. Um, <laughs> You're fine. Barrel-proof, <laughs> barrel-proof bourbon, we should go there. Okay. Um, what is that, 129? It is 128.6. Okay. So it's sitting, um, it's probably been in the barrel, um, 12, 14 months at that proof. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Barrel, barrel entry is, um, for us, 125. So tell us, so what does that take then for it to get to that proof? Uh, I'm assuming that it is sitting, what, a little bit uh, higher, uh, and, and tell us about your rickhouses. Like, do you have multi-level? Yes. Uh, we only have one level, um, okay. they, and they, um, we stack our barrels on pallets, 
So vertical. And they're, they're about four pallets high. And um, our, our warehouses are not, well, the ones in the past before moving in here uh, are not regulated. Um, the space we're in now has heating and air. Um, so to, to navigate that, um, because the team's in here working, um, so air conditioner's on usually, um, or the back doors are open. And um, to navigate that at night, we turn the heat up um, so that the barrels move. Um, so the whiskey moves in and out of the barrel. Sure. Um, so there's definitely a, a temperature change um, every day on the barrels. So like a daily heat cycle. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. So how are you finding? So, you know, I, I see places like Texas, you know, they do, they have the high heat. Um, they get a lot of, uh, a lot of the wood quickly, but what they lack, you know, what they get in wood, they lack in maturation of oxidation and things like that. You know, what do you see? So with your process, you're doing, you know, in and out, uh, heat at night, uh, cool in the day, it sounds like. And then, you know, what is your, what is your typical, I guess, age statement for, for one of your bourbons? So, um, somewhere between 12 and, um, and, and I hate saying this without people tasting it, but you're tasting (laughs) it. So you're the proof. Um, so we do use, uh, because I started in such a small space. Um, we, I started with 10 gallon barrels. We still use a lot of 10 gallons, mostly 10 gallon barrels to this day. Um, so they go in for 12 to 18 months in those barrels. Um, and, and we do have some straight whiskey that have been in those barrels for two years and a little longer. Um, we've got some 30 gallons where they've been in there three years. Um, but it, I worked out a really great process, um, with the way I cut. Um, I also think the malt rye, um, really helps, um, with the small barrels. Um, something about my process really, has made small barrels work well for us. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, well, it's, it's great it's, color on it. And it smells amazing, I think. Yeah. I mean, I still get that corn, um, yep. but it's not like a, I don't know, like I think when It's not I, a youthful corn, you yeah, know? Yeah, I, I think I've, I'm changing my mind on that because when I, when I smelled the small batch, I thought it smelled like a youthful corn, but then when I tasted it, it didn't, yeah, it didn't taste not it. at all. So now I'm actually just thinking it's just corn forward. And it's not necessarily a youthfulness. Yeah. It's just a. I think if it was more, a little bit more youthful, like one, you wouldn't get the. I mean, well, the the ten gallon helps with the the color, but yeah, for sure. Um, one, there's great viscosity on this, which I don't think you would really get, um, traditionally on a uh, a more youthful youthful bourbon. Uh, but also, it's not very floral on the nose either, uh, which you would typically get with a younger yeah. bourbon. For sure. I think, uh, yeah, you're right. There is some viscosity there. And I mean, you can see it on the glass, but you can yeah. also feel it on the tongue. Um, and generally, I, I, I feel like I get that more with a, a smaller, like a lower entry proof. But you said, what are you doing, 125 on your entry proof? 125. Yeah. So it's so it's actually a decently high entry proof, but I'm getting some good, you know, tongue tongue coating and tongue feeling on this. So this is nice. Yeah. So I just, I just jumped into this. <laughs> What's the... Uh, this is the same mash bill as the other one, but it's just barrel proof. That's correct. Okay. So not cut. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's corn forward. It's 80% corn. You would think it'd be corn forward. Right. Um, 
but it it it's also you you guys are saying all the things that I set out to do with my whiskey and and really uh, I love mouthfeel I love a heavy whiskey um, I believe I know why my whiskey has that mouthfeel but but that's trade secret sure. so I'm not I'm not <laughs> going enough. there um, it's just something that I kind of figured out and tried early on and I mean early on meaning the first batch I, I knew you know what I was going to do and, and it seemed to work um, viscosity so it, hits home well with us yeah we're we love mouthfeel on on our bourbons I think when it coats and it doesn't just fall away the flavor that doesn't just fall away I think the coat helps that flavor stick with you and, you know, if, obviously, if it's a good flavor, that's a good thing. Um, Brett and I, if we could drink maple syrup. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, I, Listen, I drink maple syrup. If it's yeah. pure Canadian maple syrup, that's easy. Um, no, this is, well, we, we this have is good. A, we have 291M, which is uh, our rye whiskey finished in uh, uh, originally our barrels, but they went to a maple syrup place and filled them with maple syrup. Now you're talking Tyler's language there. That's that's and rye and the maple syrup. That's what Ooh. I'm saying. <laughs> it's so good. I bet. <laughs> oh. It's stupid good. Oh. So oh, that just sounds good. That's the best of both worlds right there. I'd have uh, <laughs> I'd have drunk pancakes yeah. if I have. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's what I would have. Wow. Um, but, um, but this but yeah. You know, uh, another thing to note too is, you know, um, you definitely you know, get a sense of the, the proof, but it's not right away. And it's not with a long hug. Like it's, it's right yeah, in the it's, middle it's of your, yeah, it's, it's, it's not right like in the middle. Ethanol for so, sure. um, you can tell it's higher proof, like yeah. you said, but it doesn't taste like a hundred. But there's, proof, there's some, for yeah, sure. for absolutely. This does not taste like 130 proof, but there's some that you, you go to drink and then you know, man, it, it goes down and it feels like it turns the inside of your stomachs and you know, oh, it's yeah. going back up. This, it's yeah. like a sweet spot right in the middle of your tongue and it has a nice finish. Agreed. Of flavor, not heat. Yeah, 100%. I agree with that. Um, yeah, so thank you. Yeah, that's what I like about that um, heavy mouthfeel. I, I, I think that's what you're saying is that it, it just creates a really long finish as well yeah which is really nice so uh we've got the hr25 um and then the e number nine which one should we do next so so i'd go to the hr25 okay so that's we've got batch, that batch 25 it's not really batch 25 of the hr we were uh originally we were doing barrels and um barrel numbers and we decided to start batching it, and we were at barrel number 23, I think. And so our first batch was batch number 24. <laughs> so um, just to keep people from being confused about, you know, if they had two bottles. Um, All right. So this so. is so this is like batch 49 then? <laughs> so this is, like, yeah. Uh, HR 25, well, batch 49? 20, it's actually batch two. Oh, okay. Um, all right. We, before that, it was all single barrel. Oh, okay. So um, HR, so so the, that's barrel number 25, batch number two. Gotcha. All right. Yeah, I, was, of, I was doing the yeah. opposite. I yeah, was thinking so, it was but, batch um, 25. Gotcha. So this one, this is interesting. So uh, Eric Jett, who works for me, um, is my distiller now, has worked for me for, I think, going on 
seven and a half years, maybe eight now. Um, and Eric, I met, um, so I'd been distilling, literally distilling for two weeks. And a friend of mine, Rob Masters said, why don't you come up to the Distillers Guild event in Stranahan's and, you know, bring some of your white whiskey and pour tasting and all like that. And so I'm like, okay. And so I go up there, um, I bring up some 375 bottles of white whiskey of the, the rye and the bourbon mash. And, um, <clears throat> and people are tasting it and they're saying, wow, this is really good. And all of a sudden the, the, uh, Stranahan's distillers come in, you know, um, Rob Dietrich, that's now at Blacken, uh, a couple other guys and Eric Jett and, um, they come over and they're like, so what do you have? And I'm like, I got white whiskey. And so I poured it out for them and, and they're like, wow, this is best white dog we've ever tasted. And I'm like, seriously, they're like, seriously, this is really good. And Eric started talking and he can name notes, um, like a madman. I mean, he <laughs> can call things out that you've never, you know, you, and then you, you do realize it, but he just has a super taster. And I left there and I was like, I got his number and stuff. And I was like, um, <clears throat> came back and saw Mike Bristol. And I said, I, I definitely found my first hire. And so it took, you know, two and a half, almost three years before I hired him and, um, <clears throat> to get the business up and going. And, and he wasn't working at Stranahan's anymore. He was on hiatus and I reached out to him. And so he started freelancing for me and, I think HR was his first, um, we were doing my bourbon and I, I, I don't know, I gave him the recipe or something and, and, or he, he came over and asked me the recipe and, um, I said this much rye. And so he mashed in and, and came back at the end of the day and he's like, Michael, the numbers aren't matching up. And I'm like, well, you doubled the rye. And he's like, well, you told me to. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I did. Didn't I? And, um, <laughs> and so we're like, well, let it, let it ride, you know? And so we mashed it in or, you know, firm, uh, fermentation. And then, um, he came back and distilled it and it came off still really pretty. And so we just were like, okay, we've had another, another, um, recipe here. So and that's how that, came about so is this 38 percent rye then is that what i'm understanding or is this uh, uh it's somewhere in there uh, and I is it is it the same malted rye that you were using it is okay it's malt rye and it's corn and um i can what's the what's the recipe of hr 67 percent corn 32 percent malt rye the rest is malt barley are you gonna make us do math now? <laughs> That's what three percent? Three percent? One, I think. One percent. Sixty-seven, thirty-two would be ninety-nine, right? So that'd be one. Yeah. Don't okay. ask yeah, me. Yeah, one. Yeah, Tyler's already drunk. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's let's take a nose on this, and uh, I I love the nose on this yeah. actually. This is uh, so far, and I'm not a rye guy, but I like high rye bourbons. Yeah. This is so far. This has been my favorite nose. It's. Um, I'm a big rye guy. The corn is still there, but I'm starting to get a little bit of the, like the allspice or baking spice to it or something. Uh, the rye spice, I'm assuming. Um, yep. It's definitely making an appearance now on the nose. 
which I'm I'm enjoying. I haven't had a taste of this yet. Have you? No. Oh wow. Yeah. I'm surprised. That's this is literally my surprise phase. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna go ahead and take a drink of this, but this is this smells good so far. So one twenty eight point two proof. Correct. Yeah, that's what I have. And the, oh wow, God, that's oh, good. That is really good. Jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> mm. Yeah. What are you getting on this? What are you getting? Tell me. I don't need another one. No, no. Tell me what you what are you getting? I um. I'm waiting to hear it. It's it's not that you're it's not, not getting, you're not getting the deal. I'm actually getting a little bit of deal. Are you? Yeah. Let me go Surprising. for two. So usually, um, Michael, I I do not like pickles, but <laughs> um. I actually enjoy the flavor of dill that usually, you know, presents itself in a rye. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm getting some in this. But I'm, you know, this is more along the, the, you know, your traditional spice. I would. Yeah. No, I, the rye spice is there. I'm getting a, just a touch of the, of, of a dill kind of a flavoring. This is, but I'll tell you what, when this hit it's my tongue. It's just a hint. Yeah. When this hit my tongue though, I was like, this is good. That's like immediately, and, and from front to back, all the way down, it was <clears throat> it was a nice balanced. Uh, I I so far in all three of these, I am very pleasantly surprised that they all three have a very front to back, yeah, uh, balanced taste pro- taste profile. Yeah. So how, I, what's the age? What's the age statement on these? On these high rise. Um, there, there could be some thirty-gallon barrels in that. I don't know right off the bat. Um, this was released back in mm. November, um, so. But I know that we put some thirty gallons up of high rye, and I know we harvest them uh, <clears throat> and put them in the batches. So there's some ten gallons, thirty gallons. How maybe, many? Maybe some fifteens. There, there are probably more because you're using smaller barrels. But uh, how many barrels usually go into a batch for you guys? Um, so for the small batch, it's somewhere around 20 barrels. Um, for the HR batch, um, I'm not exactly sure. And you don't have a real bottle there, or I could figure it out by how many, because um, we we bought the bottle number is on there with sure. how many bottles. Um, and and my my bottle is a handwritten <laughs> sample yeah. bottle. I like it. So, I like it. Um, I need I need one of those for like an infinity bottle is what I need. That's a cool bottle. Right. <laughs> so. No, this is good. So like that second the second drink I had of this, I got a little bit more of the corn. Yeah. But the rye definitely is is making more of an appearance now. I, I I'm really enjoying that malt, if you're, malt rye. That's if you're not a rye person, this is such a good uh either introduction or like bridge, you know, happy bridge, bridge yeah, between you the know, two. uh hmm. just yeah, this is this is good. I like this. So thirty two percent rye, sixty seven percent corn. I believe that leaves one percent left. One one yeah, percent right. malt barley. So that's that's uh that's a really interesting combination. I like that. Uh this malt rye, the Yeah. Yeah, and it's good. And when this came off the still and then um the first bat or the first barrel we harvested and it was a really um we realized it was a really balanced bourbon. Um, it, it so is. we, but it's our mistake bourbon. And, um, you know, there was <laughs> a, he accidentally there was doubled a the rye. article written. Uh, yeah. The, there was an article written about mistakes in bourbon. And, um, one of them was the, 
the rick house that fell and um but they also put out there were only i think five of them and we were one of them which was amazing to be in that article that's so. pretty cool yeah anytime you get your your name in there yeah so uh we've got this uh, e number nine eaves and it's 129.6 proof and so this is a Marion Eves uh, uh, collaboration, correct? So, so tell that us, is correct. tell us about that collaboration. Does she actually come on site? Does she just talk to you like remotely, or how did how did that actually work? Um, she comes on site. Um, she so <clears throat> I met her. Uh, you know, started following her on Instagram. Was doing a P- Parker Heritage event where we were the appetizer whiskey for the release of Parker Heritage, and. Um, she came up and met Fred Minnick the same time. Um, but she came up and I was like, Oh my God, Marianne. And she kind of backed up. I'm like, (laughs) you know, um, and, and introduced myself and, and we kind of talked that night and she drank my whiskey and, and then, um, saw her a few other times and became friends and she reached out. Um, she's doing this Eve's blind it's called. And she really was, um, on the first one that she was doing, she was trying to, you know, um, look at whiskeys outside of Kentucky and show people that people are making really good whiskey outside of Kentucky. So she reached out to us and said, I have this idea, but you got to send sign an NDA because it can't be talked about because I'm going to, you know, people are going to get small bottles of the whiskey for tasting tasters first. And then, um, we'll do a reveal at the end of the year of what, what they were tasting and said, great. So she came, you know, set it up and she came and, um, pulled a ton of barrels bourbon for her. And, um, she went through tasting sample after sample, um, and, and picked the barrels and the lots that she wanted to, uh, marry together. Um, and so we married those barrels and, um, came up with this batch. And, um, what's really interesting about this whiskey is like I said, my whiskey's rugged, refined, rebellious, you know, it's a big I whiskey. That. I love that by the so way. It's spicy. It's got a lot of, you know, um, it, it's big, bold and beautiful. And she took my whiskey. And if you know, Marianne, she's floral, soft, pretty, um, very sweet, very, you know, just really a wonderful person. And she literally blended whiskey to match her. And it's still my whiskey. It tastes just, you know, like 291, but it, but it's a little softer, a little prettier, a little less rugged, Um, (laughs) a little less rugged and rebellious. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, well, I don't know. I think she's pretty rebellious. Yeah. It sounds like Um, it. It sounds like it. So, so but just playing on that, just Marianne Eves, she's the first female master distiller since Prohibition. She did a whole bunch of work with Castle and Key, helping create their vodka, gin, and bourbon recipes. Um, and then they separated, and she kind of became, I think, more of like a a consultant, sure. you know, to different places. And she's done now some some of these experimental uh, Eves collections, I guess, at different distilleries, from what I understand. Um, this is my first one actually having uh, any of these. So uh, of hers, of hers, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so let's go ahead and nose this real quick. And what, what were you about to say, Michael? I'm sorry, I cut you off. Um, 
I don't remember. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure our listeners knew who she was. So if you listen, yep. if you watch the the uh, the neat, um, uh, it's not really a documentary, but I guess a movie. Um, she's in it, and at the time when they filmed it, she was at Castle and mm-hmm. Key. At the time, she's the one that's out on the farm, like you know, uh, you, you know, you, you'll you'll know when you see her. They they introduce her and everything, but I think that's where she first became familiar to me. And then she, I think, left Castle and Key just shortly after. You know, I watched Need anyway. Um, so let's let's know this. What do you think? So tell us a little bit about this uh, specific. Uh, I know you said so this is yours, it, but more. You it's one twenty nine point six proof. It is the eighty percent corn, nineteen percent malt rye, one percent malt barley. Okay. Um, bourbon, um, just. M- Barrels she picked and we married together. Okay. Um, all my whiskey, that's what I haven't talked about. All my whiskey is Aspen stave, Aspen wood stave uh, finished. Okay. Um, yeah, we were so going to ask about that, I'm start, sure. Yeah, when I started this, I wanted I wanted Aspen on the label. I'm making Colorado whiskey. And, sure. And I stuck to tradition for my white whiskey. I ran, um, I run it through uh, Aspen charcoal. Um but I was like, you know, I could finish my whiskey on Aspen and, and that's when I decided to toast the Aspen. And so I did experiment with some aged whiskey of mine and it came out and a lot of people talk about, Oh my God, I can tell how it's changed the whiskey so much. And it really hasn't. It's a, they're very slight notes that changed, um, adds a little smoke, a little more spiciness and it, and it adds a little, it pushes caramel notes to more maple. And that's about all it does. Um, my whiskey tastes unique um, because of the yeast and because of the shape of my stills. Yeah. I, the, the, the still story that you it's have very is, unique. I love it. <clears throat> like, that's the stuff that to me stands out. Like, if Brett was here, he would yeah. definitely be geeking out about that part of it as well. Mm-hmm. Like, he's our he's our resident scientist, if you will. He's a nurse, and he does a lot of experimental uh, uh, stuff where he works and, and uh, research. So he's the one that normally geeks out over that type of stuff. But I love that kind of stuff. That unique story, like, you building your first still, <laughs> you know, coming up with yeah. well, the idea with your, your well, copper. Uh, well, you got, you know, you got your, uh, your pot still in your, in your column, but like, you got to wonder what different, you know, tinkering changes you can do to those to, well, I mean, he's using the stainless steel for the strippers instead yeah. of copper. And then from a scotch, you know, uh, idea that he, or, you know, an idea from a, a scotch thing that he was talking about that. I mean, that's cool. Like but that's the I, stuff I right never there even that, thought that, you know, you know, you think of a pot still. Okay. Well, is everyone's pot still slightly different or are they the same pot still? Well, there's, I mean, there's going to be a similar, yeah, they're different, but there's going to be a similar shape and design just from, you know, years of of trial and error. That's, that's, that's just another cool thing about whiskey that, you know, you can have those slight differences that are going to produce different results. Yeah. I mean, you've got your stripping, your, your thump, your thumpers, all that stuff. Like just depending on the type of distilling you're doing, I mean, there's, there's tried and true methods but the fact that you're making your own, yeah. you know, stills that to me that's just really cool. How did, did was that um a hard process? I don't know if that's part of the permitting or you know the legal side of it. Was that uh, any red tape to get across that? 
No, not, um, they just have to be registered. Your, um, your stills have to be registered. Your condensers have to be registered. Um, and that's about it. Um, and then just building them, you know, I mean, I grew up on a farm in, uh, Alpharetta, Georgia and in, uh, sweat a lot of copper, um, <laughs> water pipe and stuff like that. And, um, so I, you know, I, I built, I put the coil, not in my, not in my 45 gallon still, but my stripping still, I put the coil in there and, um, and then I upgraded and had Al weld pieces in. And so I could change out the, the coil, the steam coil and stuff like that. But, but yeah, my whiskey is three times pot distilled. So, um, stripped and then the 300 gallon pot still, and then the thump keg is also a distillation and that is a pot still as well. Um, they just call it a thump keg. Um, and it's a, it's a thumper and not a doubler because it doesn't have heat to it. Right. A doubler has heat and a a thump keg doesn't. So the, and the the fact that you're using pot still, I I think to me, and I know that the meatiness, the stainless steel, but, but there's a texture that comes with pot stills in my opinion. And I feel like that's in this and it like, that's, I think that's adding to that tongue coating, that mm-hmm. tongue, that mouthfeel, but the texture, I think to me, some pot stills, I really enjoy the texture. Some, some I don't, but this one, this is one of the ones I, I do really like that wow, texture. That's good. I haven't tasted it yet. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Hmm. Ooh. And there's a, mm, yeah, on the back of the back of the tongue, a little bit of a funkiness. That's like a. It's very it, similar to the like last a, one, except not rye. So you know what I mean. What I'll say is, all of these, I can tell they're all related. There's a, there's yeah. a there's yeah. an underlying flavor or taste to all of these that is shared between all four. Even though I know one's a high rye and the other the other three are the same recipe. This. This is good. I, this is the high and, rye and, and this are probably my two favorites so far. And I, I can't tell you how many times that we've had some of the, I mean, this is just a unique thing about whiskey in general, but like we've had some of the exact same stuff that doesn't taste anything like, you know, a similar uh, mash bill where these all have differences, but the same unique base. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So, like, I can tell these are all related. Yeah. Basically, is I think what you're saying, too. But this one, this is this is good. This is, um, I see what you're saying. Like, there's a softness, you know, that uh, maybe she's she's added to the, the blending. Um, but I'll still say it probably still is rebellious. It, it's nice. <laughs> no, <laughs> yep. this is this is good. Like, I, I really enjoy this. And it, I'll, I'll say it doesn't taste like 130 proof. No, that's for sure. Absolutely not. 129.6, but still. So, Michael, side note. Um, are you a Canon, Nikon, or Sony <laughs> person? Um, so, um, I've used all those cameras. But uh, my my camera, when I was shooting, was a Pentax 6.7, um, which None is a medium them. format camera. Yep. Um, it's a, it's the negative is six centimeters by seven centimeters. Yep. Um, it more or less looks like, a uh, 35 millimeter on steroids. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm six two. I have large hands or long fingers. 
Um, it fit my hands really nicely. Um, but I also uh, used Hasselblad as well. And I mean, I've used almost every camera that you can think of. You know Mamiya, um, Big four gloves. by five, Big gloves. eight by 10, okay. Toyos, stuff like that. So nice. Now, do you shoot the photos for? you know, uh, marketing or whatever, or do you, are you very picky about the ones that get taken? Um, I, I, I shoot a lot of the Instagram stuff, but I've trained my team how to shoot. Um, <laughs> I've trained my team not to move if I pick up my phone. Um, because that means I'm going to take a picture of them. <laughs> so, they got um, so, so they know not to move, especially <laughs> when we're, we're traveling on a bar in a bar, traveling different things. I have amazing portraits of my team members, um, because of that. Um, but, but the website pictures, the more heavy duty marketing pictures, those are done by a friend of mine, Tom Calico. Um, and, and so it's, I just running a company takes a lot of brain power and sure. to switch over to shooting my own product yeah. is really tough. Um, I can do it on the fly. I, I, I love, I have, you know, people always ask, do you still take pictures? I said, yeah, I have an iPhone. It's the best <laughs> camera around. Um, it's the one in your pocket is, you know, it's always with you. it takes amazing pictures. So, um, yeah. I love but, to hear um, that from an actual photographer that like that the iPhone is actually a good, yeah. So, so real quick. So the Marianne Eves, uh, that you did on March 5th, the Instagram post, it has a picture of her in like a red leather jacket, or maybe it's a jean jacket. I don't know. And then it has, I did not do that. You did not do those. Okay. That's what I was. Those are great you. shots. Yeah. Though. Those are, th that's those, a really yeah. cool set of pictures. The, the, uh, bottle with the shading and the lighting really amazing. And then the one with like the little tray that everything's sitting on really yep. cool. Yep. No, okay. she had, uh, somebody, her marketing person do those or somebody like that. So, okay. Um, He's but, probably um, saying they're like, they're not that good. <laughs> no, no I would have shot, I would have shot I, it better. I would have shot a different, um, different lighting. No, <laughs> no, they're truth, good. They're good pictures. Truth be told, I would have made my label stand out a little more than it does. Fair enough. But that's, I like that. that's the only, that's, that's the, that's only the selfish side, right? <laughs> that's the only critique. Um, yeah, well, I believe people want to know what the product is and well, of when it's a little hard to see, it makes it sure. people get irritated but um, with Instagram. They can just put their fingers there and then they expand them. Zoom up. <laughs> right. So, uh, let me, let me ask you about this. So Ohio, the other thing, let me say, Oh this yeah, you go ahead. Quick. And I don't know about Ohio. So I, I apologize You're if fine. you cannot, but, um, the Marion Eve's, is or will be on our website to buy. Okay. And and you can buy at least our four. Emily's coming in here to shut me down. Probably, um, <laughs> you can buy four of our our four main whiskeys: our rye single small batch and barrel proof of the rye and the bourbon. Um, with with online, does it ship to Ohio or no? No, our state sucks. Ohio what? doesn't allow shipping. Wait, Ohio does. Yeah, so you can oh. a whole lineup on special releases. Oh yeah, our whole lineup and special releases. So Ooh. you can buy it and it's shipped. It's it's all third party. Um, we sell it to a distributor. The distributor sells it to the fulfillment house. But that's how you can get it. Just um, so you're so, aware. 
Ohio technically doesn't allow liquor to be shipped into Ohio. So we don't do it. I'm not telling on you. The fulfillment houses, <laughs> but, but I know that we can, through them, we only ship to 39 states. So okay. gotcha. they, they are paying attention. So I don't know. Yeah. But, there, uh, there are some, uh, there, I, there we, are some creative workarounds that yeah. we have found. However, <laughs> we get we still get plenty. So we but, we're we're a control state, but we also do right. not. Ohio doesn't allow liquor to be shipped in, um, technically, technically <laughs> air quotes. But um, so like we have a website because we are a control state that allows us to look up where you can find bottles, where you can find stuff. Like, the allocated stuff mm-hmm. never really shows up because they know people will jump in line and all that stuff. But 291 is doesn't seem to be available in Ohio, which is... Yet. A, yet. So that, that was going to be my lead-in. So where you said 39 states that you're available currently, or at so least from shipping from, from your site? From our website. Okay. Through literally through three tier, we are not. It does. I wish it came out of the distillery because <laughs> those margins would be amazing. Right. But it does not. Um, but it is fulfilled um, for thirty nine states. Okay. And and then distributed, we are in eighteen states, okay. working on nineteen or twenty right now. Sure. So. Okay. So I uh, I mean, I'll tell you right now, like. This has been pleasantly good. surprising. Not surprising is probably not the right word, but it's it's been I've enjoyed every one of these. Yeah, um, this, everything from the small batch. We tend to to venture more into the high proof stuff. Yeah. Um. So your high proof stuff definitely jumped out to me. Um, Which I don't know. Uh, you know, many distilleries that we've had that usually will have this many. Higher High proof, proof stuff. stuff, yeah. Well, and they just because a lot the, of people are trying to get more product out, right? So, but I love that, you know, that the proof point on that it's fantastic, yeah. I mean, and the fact that every one of these is in the high 120s and it doesn't taste like it, no, it doesn't, it like that to me is always a good indicator that it's a good whiskey. Yeah. Is that it's a high proof, but it doesn't taste like a high proof. I mean, that's outstanding. Yep. I love that. Thank so. you. Yeah. So it, um, I love high proof whiskey and, <laughs> and you know, if it's too high proof for you, you can always add water yep. cause that's what we do to cut the whiskey, you know, in house to get it to bottle proof. So yeah. you, um, you know, you can always, um, but put a little water in it. For so sure. are, down, put some ice cubes. Um, have you guys started a uh, single barrel program? Yes. So our um, all our um, high proof. If you look at well, you don't have the bottle. Um, our the bourbon and the rye are um, barrel proof single barrel. Um, every one of them. So um, they they vary in proof and a little bit in flavor. Um, just because every barrel is totally different. Sure. Um, we, we have done a lot of barrel picks. We just, Fred Minnick was here doing barrel picks. Um, who else was here? Um, a couple of people from Kentucky. Um, a lot of the, we're, we're in Colorado Springs. Uh, we love the military here. Um, 
they support us big time. You're not too far from the Air um, Force Academy. Also because of 9-11 for me. But they they do some barrel programs. They come in and um, for different companies and stuff like that. We have, we have five bases here. We have the Air Force Academy, NORAD, um, Peterson Airfield, Shriver Air Force, yeah. and Fort Carson. And um, how, how many uh, bottles do you typically get out of a, a 10 gallon for uh, a higher proof? So barrel proof, 48 to 50 bottles. Not many. Yeah, but that's not that's not bad. Yeah, for a ten gallon. I mean, no, honestly. it's no, it's labor intensive. But no, <laughs> yeah, you know, because you have to harvest it, bottle it, and then harvest another one. Sure. Um, so, no. Well, I I know we're a little over an hour in, and that's typically what we like to uh, limit our podcast to if we can. Um, anything that we haven't touched on that you want to add, like any new products, anything like that 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 may be on the horizon or anything like that. Um. So the E's that come out are always on the horizon. So this year, um, <clears throat> I met our last year, we mashed in. I'd never heard of a, a four grain weeded rye. So I took, we, ha- we have one 291 bad guy, which is a four grain weeded bourbon. And I took that recipe and flipped it and made it a four grain weeded rye. And um, the white dog coming off the still was amazing. So I'm excited about that. We probably will harvest that this year. Um, I also took the bourbon mash bill and made it weeded. So it's 80% corn, uh, 19% malt wheat, and 1% malt rye. Mm. And um, I'm excited about that. It came off the still really pretty. A little less complex. I mean, the rye is always complex. Um, But... But I'm sure once once it's in the barrel, it's going to be amazing. Um, the other thing, so when's this podcast run? Um, this one will actually be out this Thursday. Yeah. Okay, because so I'm days. on embargo, but um, since it's coming out Thursday, I'm allowed to talk about this tomorrow. Okay. Um, which is Wednesday, so the 16th. Um, we submitted to IWSC and uh, the the single barrel um, barrel proof of the rye got 98 points, which gave it an outstanding gold. Um, and then the bourbon got 97 points, which gave it gold. Um, and IWSC is interesting. It's a English competition. They literally, uh, do chemical analysis to make sure that the whiskey is whiskey and nothing's been added to it. Um, and then they do tastings. And so it's a really great um, competition and excited to win those um, medals. Um, also, the 24th of March, uh, Philip and I, um, my senior VP, go to um, uh, London for World Whiskey Awards um, with Whiskey Magazine. Um, back in February, we won craft producer, more or less, uh, America's best, um, craft distillery and America's best, um, brand advocate for Philip. And, and that's the first time it's been, the brand advocate has been awarded to a small distillery. Um, before that, it's all like heaven Hill Brown Foreman, all the big guys sure. would be there. uh, brand advocates well congrats and, um, yeah that's awesome so 
Yeah, so we're going to London to see if we're world's best. So knock wood. Oh, don't knock, knock glass. Wood. Knock, knock wood. Um, almost broke it. <laughs> and um, we will come back with world's best uh, craft distillery and brand advocate. Well, I'll so. definitely be paying attention to that. Um, so congratulations on the other the other ones. That's that's amazing. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, you're. I'll, I'll tell you from these tastings, you're definitely on my radar right now. Uh, the sooner you get to Ohio, the better. That'll be outstanding for me. Um, from a social media standpoint, it, your distillery two nine one on Instagram. Do you guys have yep. Twitter, Facebook, and all that? Yep, and they're all distillery two nine one. Okay. Um, and then me personally is um, Michael Myers two nine one, which is um, some of my photographs, some things. My stories usually run, you know, if you guys talk about us or whatever, that shows the stories. Um, but some of my photographs are on there, not not really commercial ones, just things that I see that are interesting or pretty or, you know, funny. Um, I just followed so. you, so I will take a look at that. So Michael Myers 291 just followed from the Bourbon Hunters. And uh, yeah. awesome. so awesome i like I, I already see some pictures in there so that's that's <laughs> cool that's uh some some different stuff um colorado springs i love colorado springs i've been there a couple times um when i went out to air force academy for uh, potentially going to to school there didn't do okay. that but, but <laughs> almost, almost did almost did it was very close actually i had my appointment letter and everything um but yeah, I love Colorado. Um, we're gonna have to take a trip out there. Go visit. Come on, come go there's, see us. There's a go couple. Visit uh, go visit Old Elk and, yeah. and just do a couple of things while we're out just there. Do a couple of barrel picks. Yeah. <laughs> well, wow. there's Old Elk, Laws, uh, Deer Hammer, Tenth um, Mountain. There's a few of them up yeah. here. Yeah, I'm sure Making some whiskey. good breweries. Well, every as time well. every time Sam comes back from skiing, he brings me a, a whiskey from out there. It's it, there's a decent amount of stuff out there actually. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for, for, uh, jumping on the uh, podcast. I think, uh, for me, all four of these were, I would buy all of them. Yeah, I would Absolutely. buy all of them. And we talk about Berman thank hunting. You. Our rating system is, uh, we do hunt, uh, we do shelf or we do pass. Um, we haven't done it in a while because most of the time we're just doing blinds and stuff, but I would definitely, uh, uh, if these were on our shelf in Ohio, I would pick them up yeah, for sure absolutely. just to have them in my stock. Um, if I had to travel like a state away to get something from this, you know, definitely the higher proof stuff I would, I would travel for, I would hunt for these. Um, the, the small batch was good. I mean, it's in, what was it? A hundred proof? Yes. Yeah. So, so I mean, that's that's like my minimum. Of, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'll drink lower stuff in a in a cocktail or something, or if I'm. But that to, high rye is fantastic. Oh yeah, they they were all good. They were all very good. Um, the high rye and the uh, experimental, the Eves, the E number nine, outstanding, outstanding. I loved them. I would say, ve- I don't know I, uh, that it's very rare. But I would say it's it's more often than not, you know, than we get, you know, four samples like this where we love all, all of them. Yeah. You know, some of them are better than others from, you know, distilleries. But when we get all four of them that are phenomenal, that's definitely uncommon. Yeah. And you were definitely in that category. So that's that's. Yeah. 
Thank you so much. The one thing that you spoke about that I really love is, is the thread of 291. And <clears throat> all my whiskeys have that thread. They, you definitely know that they are from the same distillery yes. um, ac- across the board. <clears throat> and I'm very proud of that. Um, I think be. that says a lot. So well, yeah, thank and you you're guys distilling for your own that. you're distilling your own whiskey, which yeah. not to not to knock anyone who's sourcing or anything like that, but I mean that that right there puts but, you on your own your own level your own level. That's a fantastic yeah. point. Is we also have a lot of I mean they're all we have a lot of um distilleries on that uh they're doing their own unique thing. You know, they might be sourcing but they're you know they're blending it themselves, blending or, it themselves yeah. or they're they're doing their own finishes, which are their own cool things. But I would say that it's also very unique to have someone that says, hey, I'm going to make my own whiskey from day one. Yeah. Um, That's cool. And it's very cool. Uh, but I think, the honestly, the coolest thing is is that you've, you've done this with, like, no prior experience. <laughs> I know that's and you've made <laughs> all of these equipment pieces like on your own, yeah, you know, and, cool. or designed them on your own. Like that is beyond unique for you sure. Know? Definitely, hundred percent. So, thank you guys for that. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Michael, thank you for coming on. Um, we're actually over what our normal time is, so that's that's good. Um, which means you know we actually enjoyed talking to you, which is yeah. always a good sign. Um, anything else you wanted to add before we uh, jump off? Um, no, just come see us in Colorado Springs, you guys or whoever. Um, the other thing is we we are in Kentucky. Um, we are distributed in Kentucky, so you know that's only a state away, right? Oh For yeah, sure. yeah. A lot of people so, take trips down there, so keep an eye out, including us, including us. All right. And you guys come see us. We w- I, honestly, I, we like have uh, more and more reasons to go to, to come Colorado. to Colorado now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Great, love it. But uh, yeah, thank you, Michael, for coming on, and uh, we really enjoyed having you on. This was a great uh, sampling of of your you know offerings. I think that, uh, like Tyler said, I enjoyed all four of these. It's very unique for us to enjoy everything that's been sent to us, and every one of these I enjoyed. Missed out on the rye, I think, but uh, in the maple rye, holy cow. That just, <laughs> we're going to have to get a sample of that or come visit you for that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, thank you for coming on. Um, I This was really eye-opening for me. Um, you're on my radar. I'm going to make sure I come and find you guys uh, wherever I can. So thank you so much for coming on. Great. Thank you, dude and Tyler. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for joining in for yet another episode of The Bourbon Hunters. If you like what you hear, please leave us a good rating on Apple, Podbean, Google, or wherever you are listening. It definitely helps us to get great guests on our show. And follow us on Instagram and the Facebooks to keep up to date with what is in our glass. As always, sit back, grab a pour, kick up your feet, and enjoy some bourbon. Bourbon.